Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Hey everyone, I'm Aaron Noonan. Welcome along to the V8 Sleuth podcast. And on this episode, we're talking to a driver that I spent ages trying to find a time with to sit down and chat. And I was amazed that of all the podcasts that are out there at the moment, no one had spent the time to stop and talk to this driver. Ironically, she was born in a country where motor racing was banned in the 1950s, but that hasn't really stopped her. She's raced in all sorts of championships around the world, from IndyCar to Formula E, and for the last few years in the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. I think you can probably guess who the guest is. It's Simona Di Silvestro. Now, there's plenty of highlights of our chat, which I really enjoyed sitting in our office having a chat with her. She tells the story of what got her into motor racing in the first place, the world-famous teammate that she had in a junior category in the US, which wasn't a massive name in motorsport, but if you're a TV or a pop culture fan or viewer, you'll know who this guy is. We asked her how she got her nickname, the Iron Maiden, and what she thinks about it, about standing on an IndyCar series podium, and the phone call from who, when, where that landed her in supercars in Australia. Of course, as always with the V8 Loop podcast, we have let you ask questions, and Simona has answered plenty of them in our Couch Racer questions section. As usual, they turned up some really golden responses. So, enough of me. Buckle in, let's get going. Simona Di Silvestro on the V8 Sleuth podcast. Well, we are in the V8 Sleuth headquarters, and Simona Di Silvestro has joined us. Welcome. Thank you. Now, you look a bit nervous, a little bit edgy about doing this podcast. Why? I don't know, because you, you said, you know, kind of go through my career and, you know, there's just a lot a lot there, I guess, you know, and <laughs> maybe you're going to come up with stuff that I don't remember. So That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> Let's start, though, with something that's a bit more recent that will be easy yes. for you to remember. Yes. How is it that you ended up coming to Australia to race in supercars? Where did the whole chapter begin, the phone call, the contact, the... The first approach, what was it, four years ago? Now? Yeah, it was, I think, uh, in 2015, pretty much. I got a a phone call to um, come and do a wild card, actually. And, uh, and, and who, who who rang? Where did this yeah, come Chris, from? Yeah, actually, Chris Jewell, uh, yeah, uh, rang me because I think he was managing uh, Rene at the time. And um, and that's Rene Gracie who you yeah, ended up exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so I got the phone call to come and, and do Bathurst and... Uh, for me, you know, it was kind of a, a dream come true because, you know, I've been really lucky in my career to have, you know, raced in the Indy 500 and done like really big races and the Bathurst was always there. So um, when I got the phone call, it was kind of a bit of a no-brainer <laughs> to to go and do it because I really wanted to kind of tick it off and, um, and yeah, uh, yeah, ended up going to do the wild card and uh, I really enjoyed the series. It was a, 
uh, it's just a lot of fun. You know, the cars are quite fun to drive and uh, the atmosphere of the races uh, are really cool. And then, uh, yeah, the race kind of uh, went okay. And uh, I met uh, with Katie Page from Harvey Norman, who was sponsoring the Supergirls program at the time. And uh, also with James Warburton, we kind of stayed in contact a little bit. And, um, and yeah, this deal came together to come for three years to, to race here. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was like, for me, it was something that uh, I really looked forward to because it was something that I had a little bit of continuity and, uh, that was really important to me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to come just for one year to, to try it because we know how difficult these cars are <laughs> and, and everything. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just, uh, at the time it was just really, uh, a perfect opportunity. And, uh, for me to, kind of try try this out and uh, you know try to to have a career here in Australia. So you turned up thinking it was just a one off. It'll be fun to go and do tick the box. I've done Bathurst. That yes. was it. Yeah, literally yeah, because I was driving Formula E at the time for for Andretti. So it was uh, it was really uh doing this this wildcard and it was a two year deal, so it was uh, just really fun and I really just kind of committed uh, to the first one, you know, and then hoping that uh, the second year would uh, would work out as well. And uh, um, yeah, and out of that, you know, all the, all these things happen. So, you know, it wouldn't have happened uh, without Harvey Norman because, you know, they're really uh, uh, supportive of me uh, and things like that. And James as well, you know, kind of orchestrating this, uh, getting us uh, kind of together. It was a, a big deal. And, uh, and I think, you know, I was uh, like pretty lucky to you know, I think for once being at the right spot at the right time, I guess. <laughs> when you say for once, there's probably been times in your career you've been at the wrong place at the wrong time yeah, as well. I think most of my career, it's been, <laughs> it's been like right. that. We're going to get to that. Yeah, We're going to get know, to that. You know, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was just, yeah, it was a perfect opportunity. And for me, like, um, you know, when, when I do something, I really commit to it and really want to do it right. And having the three years was really uh, something pretty sustainable to to try to deliver the results uh, and you got, to, you got to come and live in Australia. I yeah. mean, seriously. It's Although not a you bad did, place. you did leave Melbourne. I we did. were really upset when you decided <laughs> to move to the Sun in Queensland, but yeah. probably a smart move. Really. Yeah, I, yes, I, I really like it up in <laughs> Queensland. Actually, I don't think I'd move back. Uh, actually, today it's a really sunny day, which is pretty remarkable you, here in Melbourne. The yeah. day that we're recording this here in the office, <laughs> it is twenty-five degrees and blue sky out it's, the front. Was, it's the best day we've had in Melbourne in about six months. I know. So. I was pretty shocked actually about it. Like <laughs> when I woke up this morning. No, but uh, but yeah, you know, I think being European and like. You know, especially from Switzerland, we I don't really have the chance to live close to the ocean. And I felt like, you know, if I can live in Australia, I have the chance to live here. I really want to do the most uh, out of it. And uh, and especially, you know, like in the past, I've always just really, you know, been close to race team and things like that. And then I realized with time, you know, sometimes it's good to also have a bit of a life outside of racing. So, yeah, moving to Queensland was quite good because it uh, just gave me a bit of a... A routine at home and a bit of a, a normal life, I would say, to kind of get my head uh, away. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you have a crappy weekend, it's it's also good. So when you're not in motor racing world, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you into? What do you like? What do you um, do? I like playing golf. And uh, are you any good though? Yeah, I'm okay actually. Handicap? Oh, it's like 19. Yeah. yeah, it's all right. It's like I'm a bogey golf. Like I just need to play more. I think that's the thing. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy that. You know, I like, uh, you know, being outside, going mountain biking and things like that. So it's quite fun. I tried to surf, which is a still a failure after three years. But uh, but yes, that's where we're at, yeah. <laughs> Word all right. Tell me what you thought when you first drove 
a V8 supercar because they're different to – I mean, we say it all the time. They're different to anything anywhere else in the world. But Because I think you drove an older car up in Queensland before yeah. you went to Bathurst. So what was your first thought when you actually drove one of these things? I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? This is not an Indy <laughs> car. Oh, my God. Well, it, w- it was pretty crazy because, um, yeah, like you said, I literally landed and then we went uh, to Paul Morris's place and – and then went up to Queensland Raceway to to go and drive, and um, it, it was pr- pretty crazy because like the the two years before, you know, I was I did the IndyCar and I was testing in F1, and then did the Formula E, and then all of a sudden I'm in a V8, which is like You're ticking all the boxes. I very thought quickly, actually though. that was like the you know, and it was the biggest shock because everything else is kind of a bit similar in the sense. And <laughs> when I got in the in the V8, it was like way different. Like first of all, you're sitting on the wrong side, which makes no sense uh, for me, you know, and uh, uh, all your perspective, everything is different because, you know, I'm not sitting in the middle. So I remember the first, te- I kept having my left wheels in the grass because I didn't have know this, where you yeah, were. I didn't know like my, <laughs> you know, my body and center of gravity or whatever it was, like wasn't where it's supposed to be. So that took a little bit of adjustment. And then, um, and yeah, how to drive the car. It just, you know, as a driver, it's like when you, come from go-karts and go to cars or whatever it the first few days or whatever few months it just feels really weird you're not like one piece with the car uh, and that's really how it felt when I got in the V8 that that first day <laughs> it's worked out okay because you stayed yeah you've come <laughs> yeah. back you've kept coming back you haven't just run away and left after a year no. or two um <laughs> tell me about when you went back the next year to Bathurst because you, you'd been in a Falcon the first year with well Pro Drive it was called there it's Tickford now um and then you went back with the Nissan, mm-hmm. um, still as a wild card with Renee Gracie again. I think you finished fourteenth or memory. Like it was a really good, re- really good result. Um, what did you learn from the first year that you could apply in the second year? Did it start to make sense? Yeah, it did. I think the driving uh, made sense, and I think also because the event is so big, you kind of know what to expect a little bit. And uh, you know, there's not everything is new. You knew the track, uh, and uh, and you could. I could like focus a bit more on what I need to do in the car where I think the first time you go there, you know, everything is just, the car is strange to drive. Uh, the track is pretty crazy. So just a lot of things kind of and happening at the media. same time. And there's less media. There's less media. The first time around there was a lot. And it, did, were, and it didn't help when a certain driver made some comments that got all <laughs> yeah. sorts of attention yeah, as it well. Did, but, you know, I don't, it's funny, like people, like I, I forget about this, like so, like, yeah, I, I must have really bad memory and things like that. My name, my name is Aaron. Exactly. <laughs> have you, have you, and have you felt welcomed or accepted in the, the supercars paddock by the, the drivers, your own team, other teams, uh, compared to the, guess the atmosphere in an IndyCar paddock or Formula 1 or Formula E or wherever you've been, um, is it friendlier? Are the drivers more matey? What's the take on here in, in yeah, supercars in Australia? They're definitely more matey. I think I have more driver's friends here than I've ever had. Really? Else. Yeah, it's pretty weird, I think. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's actually quite cool in this paddock. You know, the IndyCar is a bit similar, but not as as friendly I would say and uh but um but yeah you know I think I think now I've arrived I think like I have the the respect from the other drivers uh I think it takes a little bit of time every time you come to a new series but uh but definitely everybody's like really nice you know like it's really weird to actually walk into like a, a meeting room and everybody's talking to each other which in Europe is not the case so it's um yeah it's it's quite strange in the beginning but it's quite quite fun and uh yeah it makes it it makes it fun because it makes it like a 
kind of a big family in the paddock and everybody talks to each other, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. That's until they stove your door in. Yeah, and exactly. then from yes. there, it's all downhill. Hey, rewind. Take me way back. I know we have discussed this away from microphones and the like in the past, but where did this crazy Simona is a car racing driver thing start? Is this ingrained by your family? Was someone influential as a, as a young youngster in Switzerland? Oh. How did this all start? It's like a bug. It's a germ. It Where did bug, it get yeah. into you? I think it started when I was a baby. So, like, my parents say that I was only quiet as a baby when Formula One was on TV. So, I'm blaming my dad a little bit on it. <laughs> and uh, it's funny, my mom actually told me last week that, um, you know, she, she was so happy to have a girl so she didn't have to go to watch like racing and stuff like that and it was completely the opposite so it it totally like failed her expectations but but yeah I was I I, you know my dad really liked racing uh he he watched uh Formula One on TV he's kind of an instructor and he has a car dealership is he a driving instructor yeah driving instructor so he has a and he has a car dealership in Switzerland so What, what, what does he sell Oh, I can't say right now. No, <laughs> I can't say anymore now, you know. <laughs> a, a brand of car that shouldn't be connected to you. Exactly. No, he sends. He sells Opals and Mazdas, yes. That's okay. Yeah, it's That's okay. okay. So, uh, so yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I kind of grew up around cars uh, and all that. And when I was four, he did like a go-kart demonstration and on the parking lot of the dealership. And I really wanted to try it and I couldn't reach the pedals and... I cried so much that day. And, and I think it annoyed my dad so much. Or I annoyed my dad so much because I wanted to drive by, like, by myself. And he took me around like on his knees and we cruised around, but I didn't like that. So uh, he said, yeah, I'll get you a go-kart when you're a little bit taller. So pretty much every two weeks or like months, I was like telling him, oh, I grew a little bit. Let's go to the go-kart Two shop. centimeters this exactly, week. Exactly, exactly. So two years later, <laughs> finally, the day arrived where I got my first go-kart. So... Uh, so that's how it kind of really started, you know, it was just for fun. But uh, somehow I liked racing and it was, yeah, it must be in in me. It's in. Yeah. yeah once it's in, it doesn't get out. Where did it go from, this is fun, I like this. And the great irony is that you're from a country where motor racing was banned. Yes. After yeah. Le Mans, 1955, for those who might not know, was a, yeah. a terrible accident. A lot of people were killed, sadly, and um, Mercedes withdrew from world motor racing and to the point where Switzerland actually banned yes. the sport. So. Which is crazy because we, like, hill climb is allowed, which I think is, like, a million times... I think that's still motorsport, times, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a million times more dangerous than, like, closed circuit racing. But, yeah, we have this thing. So, yeah, it's banned. It actually just reopened now uh, two years ago for uh, Formula E, actually. It was the first time there was a closed circuit race again in Switzerland, which which is pretty crazy because we're quite a few good drivers in coming out of Switzerland. Oh, well, which is the for, one that springs to mind that we've seen here a bit is the yeah, Menu, yeah, British exactly, Car Champion. Exa- yeah. Exactly. So, so it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. But, uh, but yeah, so how it kind of went from there was, uh, I think I must have been eight or something like that. I was just really fun. And then um, the guy who ran the go-kart shop said like, oh, why don't we enter a race with Simona? And then my dad was like, She's a girl. Like, what is she gonna do there? And <laughs> I, you know, I only, wow. I only found that out like maybe like a year ago that he said that. So yeah, I was pretty Ooh. disappointed. No, <laughs> but but yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. So we entered this first race, and um, I kind of remember it because uh, it was raining, and uh, it was uh, like Sebastian Buemi had just won like the Swiss championship and minis uh, and then there was this other kid who had just won and it was raining and I won the race 
So um, somehow I like driving in the rain, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I won the race. So I won my first ever race, which was uh, was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that's where it pretty much kept and going, I guess. Yeah, that started it all. Yes. So it's, how ironic is it that he didn't think you're going to be any good, and then yeah. you won your first race? Exactly. I hope he's tune changed. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That's, he, that's he's good. he's really supportive. He's <laughs> actually always been, you know, like. But uh, yeah, it's a funny comment. But you know, without my parents, I wouldn't be here. You know, we spend pretty much every holiday uh on on a go-kart track uh, and things like that so it's uh yeah kind of thanks to them that i'm here for sure brothers sisters only no, child only me so it's all about you exactly so that i think i'm lucky well. yeah if you're I, gonna be in motor racing be an only child be an only child uh but yeah i don't think i would have been a racing driver if I had siblings <laughs> to be honest <laughs> you probably first popped up to our radar as motorsport followers here in australia when you went to the states <laughs> what took you there why america uh well money uh like always in in uh, in racing i uh i think uh, it was 2005 i did formula renault championship uh in the italian championship and um uh, we kind of didn't have the money we didn't have the sponsorship and, and this is family backing you to, well, to try to get no, there it was like yeah it was a bit like my dad like us some friends and so we kind of got a bit of money together to 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 go and uh, do this and uh um yeah and that was kind of it at that point uh, at the end of the like, that year we were like oh it's not going to be possible to go and <laughs> mm. ask for, for for more money for more support to go to go racing so we kind of found ourselves uh, a bit in, in a pickle in that sense but then um, hang, hang on did you say in a pickle in a is pickle. that something you've picked up in australia Maybe. or do you have before you like that that's good you like you're really Wait, don't worry, yeah, right I, now. I think that's good <laughs> so yeah there's a, there's our pull out quote for the uh promotion for the podcast <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, then I was uh, yeah we we didn't know what to do really, and uh, a good friend of my dad he um, uh, his son was racing and uh, he knew a team that was an Italian team that was ra- that was racing in uh, Formula BMW in uh, in America and um, through some connections or through my dad we found a sponsor uh, in America to to go race there. So I went uh, yeah there to do Formula BMW in so two thousand six. How old? I think it was seventeen. Sense? Yeah. Right, so you're not legally old enough to drink, yeah, to just spend anything in America. No, well, it was, you know, it was. I know everybody says, "Oh, it's kind of crazy," but you know, for me, I was like, "Okay, that's my only shot at becoming a race car driver." Like, and it didn't really matter. And also, my parents, you know, like with school and all that, there was this big thing, you know, about me kind of stopping school in the middle of like not finish my maturity. I don't know how it works here in Australia. We never mature. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think it's like year eleven or whatever, and. uh, um yeah so it was a bit like oh let's take the chance you know if it doesn't work out you always can come back but le- let's do it if you do it yeah. do it properly and uh yeah here i go i went to america when when i was 17 mm-hmm. and then atlantics which was like a feeder series through there yes. and some of our when we do the research for these podcasts that's why i paused here because i have to explain something for a second <laughs> uh, will dale who's a big part of our v8 sleuth team he's our um, our audio engineer, he's our researcher, he does a bit of everything. And when we sit down and do these podcasts, I basically just write one page of notes out of the top of my head, a bit of research. Will throws in some thoughts as well, and we come up with a few things. And he said one thing that I'd forgotten that one of your, you actually had probably your most famous worldwide teammate in Atlantics, <laughs> but not because he was a racing driving name who won Grand Prix or Indy 500s. Because he was off Malcolm in the middle. Yes. 
yeah, Frankie he, Muniz. He was actually Malcolm, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Frankie's such a like awesome person. Like, uh, And it, it was funny because he, when I did Formula BMW, that was kind of his first year going into racing. And did you know who he was? Yeah, of course. Yeah, who doesn't yeah. know him? Come yeah. on. He's like, and because he's like way older, but he looks exactly the same. So, you know, it's like you cannot miss him. He's, uh, <laughs> he's exactly the same person. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, it was funny because, uh, yeah, when I did from, I like, I was a bit of a fan as well. So I remember like, hey, can I take a picture like with you? And then we were teammates like three years later. So, uh, so it was really funny. And, you know, I lived uh, in Scottsdale close to where he lived. So we spent a lot of time together and, um, and yeah, he's a just really fun character. I remember one road trip going from, uh, we were testing, uh, in California and we drove back, uh, to, to Phoenix in a, he had like this smart car. <laughs> And we, up the hill, we had to draft the trucks because the thing would not go any faster. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, pre- it's pretty funny, yes. The, the time we drafted trucks exactly. in a smart car. Exactly, in a car. smart car. And you can see me and Frankie, you know, like in this smart car, uh, trying to draft uh, trucks to, to get up the hill. I'm yes. trying to picture it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. IndyCar is obviously a, a big chapter of your of your career so far. Where did the door open to get you into into IndyCars? I think it was twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. So I did three years of Atlantics, and I think that was the, that third year when actually Frankie was my teammate. I think it was, if I look back, it was like the most important year in my career because uh, uh, the first two year, like the first year was average. The second year I had one win uh, in Atlantics, and then. It was a bit like, okay, what do we do? And staying that third year, I really had a really good engineer who really taught me a lot. And uh, I got a lot of confidence in myself as well uh, in, in driving there. And uh, yeah, we almost won the championship. Uh, yeah, I was kind of leading until the last race when I got taken out. So that really gave me a lot of confidence in knowing that, you know, what I'm capable of in a in a race car. And, um, and through that, the same sponsorship kind of opened the door to... Uh, join uh, HVM, which was a a smaller team in IndyCar, and um, yeah, get the, kind of my first uh, crack at it. I would say, yeah. So that was the team that I think for a time Paul Stoddart had yes. been involved in previously, um, exactly. And Keith Wiggins had been involved with Pacific Formula One, yes. which came and went in Formula One pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. So... Moving into IndyCar racing, we go Indy 500. It's a highly competitive series. At that time, it was the old generation car compared mm-hmm. to what came later on. Um, how were you accepted? How did you approach it? Because at the time, a bit different to what we have in Australia, probably in that period that you're in Atlantics and IndyCar, there was obviously Danica Patrick mm-hmm. was a big deal in IndyCar racing. Um, you still had the separation between Champ Car and the Indy Racing League, as it was then, no, I think IndyCar it was series. Like, it just but came pri- together. It came in 2008. Yeah, yeah. But prior to that, there'd been kind of both series were looking to have female drivers in yeah. there as obviously a, a talking point and a, and a relevant point. By 2010, it was all back together, which was mm-hmm. great. Um, so it wasn't like you were the only girl. No. There was... <laughs> Women in motorsport in the United States at that level everywhere. So you didn't have that kind of 
you know, you're the one that everyone then goes <laughs> to as the, the the media attention and and the like. Is, it, is that the right way to yeah, look at it? I yeah, there's never really been an issue over there. No, no, yeah, that's true. And you know, I think Danica, when she was there, you know, she had the quite a big popularization, you know, because she'd done pretty well, like when in the IRL days and. Uh, and yeah, when I got in, I, I think at the Indy Five, I don't know if it was 2010, but I think we were five girls who qualified yeah, or something like right, that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, like you say all these things and I never look at it this way. You know, I think I'm looking at it more now that I'm older. You were just trying to make the car yeah, go I'm fast. Like, that's all you, that's you know, all you're doing. I just want to go fast and <laughs> don't really care. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, it was uh, quite, you know, there was there was me, um, there was uh, there was Danica, there was Anna Beatrice, there was Pippa, and then uh, yeah, I think even Catherine like came. I don't think if she was in in 2010, I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, anyway, so there were quite a few, and um, yeah, it was quite quite interesting, uh, definitely at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of interesting, was that the year that you ended up with that fire? <laughs> yeah. Te- was it? It was Texas, Texas. and you was, uh, for those who might not have seen it, jump on YouTube, you'll find it somewhere but yes. you you were you were basically stuck in a burning car yeah pretty much well and that video is actually i think it's everywhere for the fire marshals to know what not to do because pretty much everything went wrong in that scenario so it looks really spectacular so, explain for those who yeah, haven't seen so it yeah so i uh, oh i made, made a mistake well it was a uh, it was actually, I think, my first crash in oval. And, you know, when you uh, start oval racing, they always say, you know, you don't want to be loose. And we, when you come from a road course background, you think you can handle it. And, uh, yeah, couldn't handle, <laughs> couldn't <laughs> handle it. So, yeah, to kind of uh, hit the wall and somehow, like, the, the oil kind of, yeah, caught fire and, uh, and the car, yeah, really caught on fire. And then uh, uh, I think the marshals were trying to, pull out um, the extinguisher but nothing was really working and they were trying to pull me out like sideways which doesn't work so much the, the headrest was well still my on the foot car. was actually stuck uh oh. so yeah it looked like really spectacular but it, it wasn't too bad to be honest but uh but yeah definitely when when you watch it on youtube it's uh it's pretty spectacular but yeah indycar says they always show this video of what not to do you know and usually they're uh, they're really good, you know. The, I think their safety crew is pretty amazing. They're like right there and then, and uh, I think we, yeah, learned a lot from from that incident. Uh, I would say <laughs> you needed them again. Yes, at Indy the unfortunately, next year, <laughs> exactly. Something there was a bit of a thing with you getting yeah. toasted in. Indy I've had like there. three fires, so hopefully now it's done. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the 2011, well, like like that was a really big one. I think that was the first time like I kind of. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was actually, you know, the first time I realized like I'm not that invincible. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I had a suspension failure, and um, I think I was going like 340 k's an hour. Yep, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, kind of the car flipped, hit hit the fence, and it was really big. Like the top was really like broken, and the roll hoop was off, and. Uh, because the roll was off, like all the fuel kind of came out and I was upside down and I was like on fire. And um, yeah, I was in the car and I wasn't sure I could get out, to be honest. But then thankfully the rescue came pretty quickly and yeah, sprayed with the fire extinguisher and kind of woke me up again and got out. And yeah, there I burned my hands pretty badly. So it was, uh, yeah, not not ideal, I would say. But they patched you together, didn't they? And, yeah. And you went and had to go back and qualify. They did. Well, was, I got out of the car and I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to race anymore because it really, really spooked me. And um, and it, it's funny because my mom is usually more the scared 
person and my dad is like more oh, you gotta do w- it were they there that day? no they were actually no. flying over oh. uh, yeah so when they landed like their phone was blowing up and, and everything and i was in the hospital and all that but uh yeah and, and but then my mom actually came in and my dad was like oh you know if you want to stop it's fine but my mom was like hey you should try it at least and because she told me that it kind of I was like yeah she she's right you know and uh, it was this thing, it happened on Thursday before qualifying. And then on Saturday, I went out and qualified the car on on pole day, uh, made it into, I think it was like the top 24 at that With point. With bandaged hands. Yeah, and- it was uh, like the, the medical crew like really looked uh, really well after me. But um, yeah, and kind of got it patched up. It was uh, not comfortable to drive because, you know, when you have burns, like every time you move, your skin reopens mm. and um yeah it was it was this thing i told myself you know if i get in the car and i have a smile on my face i should keep going if i'm spooked and like, i'm just done so uh, luckily for me i went out and uh, and qualified the bloody thing but it was pretty scary because on a novel you especially at Indy, you take the wing off to go faster and the car gets pretty loose and you feel like you hang on i think that's the in my racing career the toughest thing is qualifying car at the indy 500 because it's just really scary and you just got to really commit for four laps. And um, when we went out, we were like just missing a little bit and we had not run less wing and we just did it. And I remember on the third lap going into turn three and it just moved a little bit. And all I was telling myself was like, okay, we just got to do one more lap here and just hang on. And then we did it. So yeah, it's a big um, courage thing, which uh, yeah, was a pretty crazy at the time. Some of our listeners will have been to the Indy 500, mm-hmm. many will have seen it on television. I don't think you ever understand it until you physically actually go to the <laughs> speedway for even just for even if it's just a practice day or qualifying, let alone the actual race day, which is mammoth. Crazy. It's the biggest single day sporting crowd in the mm-hmm. world. Depending on the numbers that you hear, it's anywhere from three hundred to four hundred thousand yep. people. That's you know the AFL Grand Finals, a hundred thousand at yeah. the MCG. That's three or four times that. It's crazy, um, which is. It's bigger than an Olympics opening ceremony. It's bigger than a World Cup soccer final. Think of the biggest sports events, and they still do not compare mm-hmm. to that. But you're smiling yeah. just as I'm talking about the Indy 500. It's something that's it's it's a phenomenally amazing event to to watch, to take in, mm-hmm. but to actually be in it. Yeah. And, and they treat their history with amazing reverence there mm-hmm. too. That you know you didn't win the race, you didn't get to the pole position, but if you you started what, four or five of them. Mm-hmm. You're in the history books. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's quite, it's quite cool. And uh, yeah, like I won Rookie of the Year in 2010, so I'm like in a cool list with like a lot of cool names in there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we never know what the future holds, but yeah, it'd be cool to to do it one, like one more time for sure. Yeah, I'm sure we can find a way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There'll be a deal to be had there somewhere. There'll be a deal to be had somewhere. Uh, that was at a time when IndyCar racing was about to change because there was new cars that that came in later. Um, and obviously there was that last race in, in Vegas that was horrendous. For uh, mm-hmm. We all know what happened there with, with Dan Weldon's accident. And um, Do you think IndyCar racing changed that day forever? Um, I, yeah, well, you know, I think going to that track was something that none of us really wanted to go because for an IndyCar it just doesn't really yeah. make that much sense. And uh, and we're talking, for those who don't know, about yeah. the sort of the one-and-a-half-mile yeah, heavily steeply really banked, banked yeah. So they're, re- they're stuck on, like, exactly. glue, flat out. And, yeah, yeah I, I remember that. They, like, we were driving, and it was just 
it was ridiculous because you would be in a it was like pack racing and you were just flat out and like with 26 cars just uh, yeah like going at it and uh um yeah and you know what ha- like what happened was i think pretty shocking for all of us because um you never you know as a racer you never think about those things and all of a sudden like one of you know your teammates is gone and um and i think like for me yeah it was pretty I think pretty tough for all of us just to to deal with that and um yeah and I think it changed you know and unfor- it's unfortunate circumstances like this but uh but yeah it was a uh, definitely a pretty pretty difficult moment I would mm. say yeah yeah what's the standout memory for you from that that day oh it was just it was weird because like I I remember I was actually side by side with Dan at one point and then I got kind of chopped off so like I had to go like on the apron and come back and uh thanks to that I wasn't right in the middle there when when that happened and uh uh it was really weird like when we passed the car like you just had this feeling like you, we couldn't see anything but like it was just like you had this feel oh something was really wrong and uh, um yeah and it it was just you know I was just I don't know it's crazy experience I think you know when yeah you never think about those things but definitely I think on ovals like after that you know um, in racing, I never thought, you know, oh, something could happen. But when you're racing on ovals, because it is so quick, there's always a big chance that you can really hurt yourself. And I think since that day, you know, a lot of us also have that head that had in mind, which we usually don't really have that. But, you know, I think the safety has done um, really, you know, really improved and uh, and things like that. But, you know, for sure, you know, you still, you know, at India, I think top speed is like three Six three three seventy it's next to a concrete crazy, wall, so crazy. it's still still crazy. But you know that's we like we like this as well. You know we like kind of living uh, on the edge. But uh, but definitely, yeah, that was I think pretty shocking moment. Yeah, mm. the new cars came for the next year, and mm-hmm. you ended up in a a slug. Yeah, but how did you end up in that Lotus? Which for those who may not follow IndyCar racing, yeah. the Lotus brand has such great history. Yeah, but unfortunately, it it didn't come through that year. Where to the point where I think. Cars were, were you were you one of them where you were waved off at the Indy 500 well, because you were too slow? They just yeah, said go it, to the pits. It made no sense, and it, to be honest, it was a waste of a year, and it was, uh, I think, a bit of poor management. To be honest, in the team, you know, I think. And that was the same team that you. Yeah, it was in. the same team, you know, and and that just shows sometimes, you know, people just want money, you know, maybe money over, you know, like performance and things like that. And it was really frustrating because we had good sponsorship package deal and, um, and yeah, it was just really a waste of a year. And, and the, uh, the engine was... Yeah, it was just dumb. no good. It was just, uh, well, you can't compete with it. Like it just, I think it was just poorly managed uh, in the sense. And then uh, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't developed like properly or anything like that. And yeah, it was just too, like on an oval, it was ridiculous. I think... One race, like after like six laps, they were already lapping us, and you like flat <laughs> chat, flat like you know. So, <laughs> I'm uh, not a bad exactly. driver, it's I like, swear. Uh, oh, yeah, so it's just and it's weird because you know you just because on novel everything happens so quickly, you it just can't happen. So uh, yeah, I think it was really frustrating year for for me, uh, like for my engineer and all that because you know you you just go to the racetrack not to be competitive. So it's yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Did you? Um get to the point there where there had been other opportunities that you had turned down to, to, to stay there? Was the phone ringing? How did... Well, there, there's always in drivers' careers, I, I could have, I should have, I would have. Oh, yeah, I said there's no. a lot of them. Um, What's the one that stands out? Was there something in IndyCar racing? 
if you can't figure this out, we're looking for the headline for the podcast. Yeah, here, I know, I know. You, what's what's, uh, what's the IndyCar drive that you turned down that you could have been at? Yeah, well, it's a bit hard to say because at the time I was managed uh, by someone that uh, didn't really, you know, like involve me in a lot of things. So I think, yeah, after the years you hear of stories. So I, and I think that was a bit my mistake a little bit, you know, and just really just trusting one person and dealing with all these things. So Was that you going, here, I just, I just want to focus on driving the Well, I think I was really or? young, you know, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I don't know, I was like 20 or 21 around there and <laughs> I was racing in and you know like at the time you you never think about those other things all you think is about going quick in a race car and with age I would say it's it would be smarter to actually be involved in not even like not fully involved but more, know what is more. going on exactly yeah. and uh, yeah. I think that was my mistake a little bit and uh, um, yeah I think just not being yeah you know fully aware of what what was going on and um, and yeah so it just kind of yeah that Lotus thing was kind of a, a good example that it wasn't the right thing to do, but uh, we somehow the next year kind of managed to turn the curve. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, if I would have been in a bigger team or anything like that, it, things could have looked a little bit differently, yeah. Well, you got to a bigger team. <laughs> so you got to what was KV Racing. Yes. So a bit of an Australian connection there. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Colcoven, who uh, partner in that team, mm-hmm. who had been a partner in what was Champ Car and basically saved it when Cart yes. was about to fold. Um, and then ran a team for, for quite a long time, invested a lot of money in yeah. American Open Wheeler Racing. But that was a team that then, I think that was, was that not the year that Tony Kanaan won the 500 yeah. with KV? So they were a team that was, suddenly you had a car that you could actually play with. Definitely. Like it was a, definitely a step. It wasn't, it was the Penske's or the Ganassi's or the Andretti's. But it's, it's better but, than where you were. Yeah, it was definitely a, a step up uh, uh, going there. And um, the cool thing, I, I had the, my engineer actually that I worked with the lo- the year before and with the Lotus, it was just like we worked really well, and he was actually engineering Frankie in two thousand nine when oh, we were so doing Atlantic. Uh, Gerald Tyler, yeah, and um and because he did that all this in two thousand nine with us, like he was in the same thing, like he knew what, what I was capable of, and I knew like he would give me the tools to to be successful. So I was really pumped in going into into that uh, that year and. Uh, it, yeah, it started off a bit weirdly, you know, I was I had Kanan uh, as my teammate and he's a, you know, proper figure, likes to run the team his way and, and things like that. And uh, when you come in as the new kid, you know, you have to kind of earn your stripes a little bit. And, uh, and I think we really managed that, uh, you know, mid-season towards the end, we were consistently like really quick and, um, and yeah, finally got one podium uh, in Houston, which... Um, which was pretty cool, you know. I, I always knew we could do it, and uh, and just you know things pieced together, um, having having the car do what it li- what I like it to do, and uh, and yeah, it was uh, that was really cool. <laughs> so you got that you got that podium. You did do some more races yeah. for Andretti a couple of years later, but do you feel like your IndyCar chapter is a bit unfulfilled of what it could yeah, have been? It is. Is it, is it a bit like? Oh, did, yeah, I yeah. think so. You know, I think I think if I would have ended up like in a in a big team, I think you know I could have won races uh uh you know even with tk you know he's won a championship he's won an indy 500 and he was my teammate then you know towards the end i was usually the quicker car in the team so that just shows i think that the capabilities were there but you know like always you have to be at the right time at the right place you have to have teams that want to you know have your back and uh and and yeah it seems like that 
you know, I don't know if it could have happened or not. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I wasn't really that much aware of, of what was really going on. Uh, but yeah, I think it could have been different. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, on one side, it's cool. Like, I had a podium and, and all that. But for sure, you know, I think, uh, yeah. I think I could have stayed, you know, in the sense and, yeah, have a good career there. Yeah, yes. but you came to Australia to enjoy some sun. So we <laughs> exactly. win, they no, lose. No, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. That's a win <laughs> for us. Um, in that whole time, the, the Iron Maiden nickname yes. is affixed to you. Who started that? Where did that come the from? fans, actually. Really? It came from 2011, from the crash. Um, yeah, it's really... They're like, she's a tough chick. Yeah, exactly. That's how it... Because uh, when I came to America, like the, it was like the Swiss Miss... Which was tell me you hate it, don't you? Like I didn't like it. I was like it's just a bit lame, you know. What do you? What do you? What do your like, friends call you? And it's like Martina Hingis's nickname already. So I was like, I can't be like Swiss Miss too. But, but what do your friends call you? What's your nickname to them? Oh, it's just Sim. It's oh, pretty boring. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so the Iron, Iron Maiden, Maiden is way, way cooler. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's actually because yeah, I qualified the car like two days later. That um, yeah. They called me the Iron Maiden. And at the time, I didn't know it was a band as well. So it was just this whole new world, like within like one day opening. Wait, so they like, rocked up with T-shirts the next day. Yeah, oh my like, God, oh they've my made God. T-shirts already. <laughs> exactly. No, no, not that it's bad. But then it's I was like, oh, yeah. So, so yeah, and I thought that um, it's cool. It's a cool nickname. It is have. a cool nickname. Mm-hmm. It is a very cool nickname. Yes. And there's no one else in motor racing that's got it. So you exactly. can't ever be confused with I'm anybody good. else. Yeah. Hey, tell me about the, the Formula One little era that, started but didn't really start you tested with Sauber mm-hmm. um what went wrong why, why did you not end up <laughs> further there you read the things online about what unfolded there and yeah I'm sure there's certain things you can't go into but there's certain elements that you can so uh, it would have all made sense Swiss driver yeah, Swiss it team makes sense. funny how one. things always make sense yeah. right uh yeah well I, my goal was always Formula One like e- e- even when I was in IndyCar like I always had this picture is that you know that was my ultimate goal uh, to get there and um and after 2014 it was things were going yeah pretty well and um and yeah kind of got this opportunity with Sauber and was this them offering you was this yeah, you well, going was, to them i've got some like, backing yeah, or? exactly like you know how it works in racing mm. you need uh, to have some backing so i had a little bit of backing uh from what we had we uh at the time we didn't really have the full budget to stay in indycar and um and it was just yeah, kind of a bit frustrating to be honest because I, I felt like you know I'd proven that I can be quick and uh, you know and uh, but yeah it just was there and then this kind of opportunity came with Sauber and you know me like being like having my little Formula One eyes you know <laughs> be like oh <laughs> that looks amazing um, yeah I, I did a few tests and uh, it went really well and um, and at the time I think Sauber was in a really tough situation you know they were really struggling for money so they had a few drivers signed up and. And got a bit messy because they were really uh, struggling for money, and uh, I definitely did not have the money that uh, they needed for me to to go racing there. So, yeah, unfortunately, that chapter kind of closed uh, pretty quickly. But you know, and that's just how it shows how motorsports sometimes can be cruel, uh, kind of outside of your hands a little bit. And um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was pretty. I was pr- not depressed, but definitely, I think pretty. You know, I was, uh, yeah, it kind of put me down mm. quite a lot because, you know, when you always have this aim and thing, you're always looking at that and all of a sudden it's kind of not there, not because you're not performing or anything. It's just because uh, there's no money or something like that. It's 
can be pretty frustrating, yes. It always comes <laughs> back to money. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere, somehow, it always yes. comes back. And one of the things we do uh, at V8 Sleuth, we track the histories of race cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love the history of the sport. Uh, we love to ask drivers about their, their own memorabilia, yeah. their helmets, their suits. We find that drivers are on a scale between they keep everything. They're like those hoarders on those TV shows <laughs> that you open their doors and they're just overfilling with stuff. Or they don't care. They give it away, they sell it, they do whatever. Where are you on the scale of hoarder and non-hoarder? I'm like, I think I would say in the middle. So I keep one race suit from every year. And usually my helmet as well stay with me, except, you know, like uh, some some sponsor. Like I think two of my biggest sponsors from back in the day have, have a helmet. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. And the rest kind of, nah, can't deal <laughs> with it. My mom already annoys me with how many race suits there is. Like, all at home. yeah, like at home, she's like, "When are you gonna come and get those?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe one, one day." day. One day, <laughs> exactly. If you could own a race car from your career, what would you own? Oh, that's it. If uh, money wasn't an issue, uh, actually, I think I would buy the Atlantic car that from 2009 because uh, that was, uh, yeah, that, I feel like that was really the car and the year that kind of made me who I am a bit, you know, and uh, and I think that's a really good memory and could be a pretty fun car to go drive around the track sometimes. <laughs> so do we need to start a sleuthing project to find we, that car? We should, yes, okay. we should. <laughs> you can find me a chassis number and we'll, go dig. Go. we'll go dig. We'll Perfect. find an old indie car as well. We'll <laughs> um, one of the other things we do on our podcast is we open it up to the fans. Mm-hmm. Couch racer questions. Perfect. We got lots, lots when we told them it was you. Oh, it's scary. Now... I'm prepared. You ready? (laughs) Right. Andrew Ferris asks, and we'll be really quick fire with these. What's your recommendations to any international driver looking to make the switch to full-time supercar racing? Uh, Forget everything you've kind of learned. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it starts from scratch. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Merv Hardiman says, do you think you were a bit of a target? Every time you started to do well in a race, someone would bump you off the track. Um. Yeah, that's funny because it seems like, because these cars, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like it, but you know, we can bump back. So, you know, that's, you, that's, you, that, that's the you, thing we're you, doing now. You give as good <laughs> as you get. Uh, Travis Robson says, what's your best advice for females wanting to start racing at any level of motorsport? Oh, I think just, uh, kind of, you know, like believe in yourself and, uh, really, you know, get people around you involved in kind of your dream or whatever you want to do because it's, uh, it's not an easy sport. Uh, you need a lot of people around you to kind of make it happen. Makes sense. Uh, Jason asks, what's your favorite and not so favorite track in Australia? Uh, my favorite, well, Bathurst, because it's ba- but I really like Newcastle because I think it's. Well, you go good. Well, there I go too. good. Yeah, that's you usually like how pa- it works. You are the passing champion yeah, of Newcastle. Though, now everybody knows about it, though. Yeah. So it's kind of. <laughs> It's not changed. a secret yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's not a secret yeah. anymore, thanks to TV. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but uh, Worst? Worst. Um, I don't know. Actually, there's not really... Well... Don't be may- fearful of offending anyone. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just going through them quickly, you know, and... Uh, oh, we're going to be here all day. You yeah, do no, the calendar sorry. in your um, brain. Yeah, maybe... I don't really like Winton that much, to be honest. <laughs> not my favorite and we spent been, a lot of time there maybe test that's track why for yeah, three exactly. and a half years but anyway. exactly <laughs> um uh, jason abercrombie asks hey simona have you got into any australian sports while you've been here uh well 
I did the thing with Harvey Norman and the and the Giants. Uh, GWS like, Giants, yes, AFL. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they, I did kick the ball a few times. And I actually managed to do a banana kick, whatever that thing is called. Like did it first, go through the yeah, goals? Like first okay, time out. Good. It was like they I could have used you on grand final day this pretty, year. Pretty impressed actually. Uh, but then I can't figure out how to throw the ball like that. Oh, bounce yeah, it. Bounce yeah, bounce it's impossible. So uh, so I tried that. Um, well, I tried surfing. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it at the moment. Have you picked a team in any of the sports to uh, follow? But not I really. said this to you four years ago yeah, when you no. first turned up. I know, but the thing is, what's a bit confusing <laughs> is that all the teams are in Melbourne. You know, like when I was not in America, I lived in Indy and it was like, okay, I'll oh, go well, for the Colts. Easy. Yeah, Colts, you know? Pacers. Exactly. Yeah. You just And here you really got to like actually Well, now that you research. live in Queensland, in the AFL, it's Lions or Suns. Suns, That's yeah. It. Oh, I That's went it. to a Suns game, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so you know the names. Exactly. This is good. Okay, <laughs> so you know you've... When you, what was the line you wheeled out earlier? What was the thing that I said that you in said? A pickle. That, in a pickle. <laughs> Gold. I just want to hear you say it again. Um, Rolf asks, favorite food you've discovered in Australia? Oh, favorite food. I like sausage rolls. We don't have them in Switzerland. I love them too. Yeah. Tomato sauce? Yes. Yeah. yeah Ketchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. Same difference. Um, this is a question from Mr. G. Jacobson of Shepparton in Victoria. Wow. Who wow. is your favorite teammate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's what maybe oh. I, I think his say, name's Gary yeah I think mm. I have to say Gary because it's him asking the question <laughs> so you know I don't get in trouble next time I walk into the truck <laughs> um, another one here uh, this is from a Miss R. Crean of the Gold Coast who is your favourite supercars pit reporter uh, Rihanna <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's good to see that the industry is reading yeah, our social good. media pages before we start to do this podcast. Um, Tyler Williams asks, what was it like driving for Andretti in IndyCar in 15? Was there a chance for you to go full-time there in 16? Uh, well, I tried because I had this whole F1 thing kind of fall apart. So I scrambled to find a little bit of money uh, to try to go back to, to IndyCar and got enough money to actually do three races. Uh, but then, yeah, no more money. Dreams is finished. <laughs> no, no, actually, it didn't. But yeah, it uh, actually just created the opportunity to go do Formula E with them. So, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was okay. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Another thing we do is the top ten shootout. Mm-hmm. We do it in supercars, one car on the track at a time. Who can go fastest gets the pole position. In our top ten shootout, I drop ten things, names of people, places, things. And you give me the first word that comes to mind. Oh, okay. We will allow you to have two words or three words yep. if you need them. But by the end, most of our guests find that they end up at one word. One answers. word, okay. You ready? I'm ready. You look really nervous. Yeah, because this Your hand's gone up to I'm your like, cheek and you're starting to get... Oh. I need to think. It's okay. Ready? First thing that comes in your head, yeah. don't think. That's the secret to this game. Indy 500. Fast. Fair point. Tony Canaan. Nice. Formula E. Electric. Oh. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. David Reynolds. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Kelly. Wow, he's weird as well, actually. <laughs> he's weird and nice. <laughs> weird in what way? He's just, like yesterday, he... Every time he finishes uh, the at, test. Okay, when we're recording oh, yeah, this, this, sorry. Is, at the, so this is at the pre-Bathurst okay, test. Okay, I will tell. So, no, yeah, pre actually, last test we did earlier in the year, 
the day is finished and he walks out like from the garage in his socks to his car and yet <laughs> i presume with other things on not just yeah right yes, okay that, right, no, right, no, okay but his suit and his socks and then now pre bathurst says i'm like there and he walks out barefoot out of the girl gar- it's just he's just really awkward he just but it's kind shoes. of fun to be around but he's yeah he's just yeah and um Actually, pretty quiet, I would say, yeah. Yeah, we say quiet because yeah. you use weird for Reynolds. Yes, so, quiet, yeah. Yeah, you can't reuse words. No. That's okay, the other no, rule I forgot okay, to tell you sorry. about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd Kelly. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Page. Amazing. Derek Walker. Uh-huh. Yeah, good person. That's two words, but oh, I'll, let you, I'll let you get away with it. Bathurst. Can I use two words? Yeah, I'll let you. Best place. Most fun place. That's three words. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll put that's a hyphen. That's how you describe <laughs> it. <laughs> we'll put a hyphen in there Maybe. and it'll get it down to two. Uh, and I must have had a vibe of what you're going to say earlier. Winton. <laughs> hate it. Or <laughs> 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 well, just hate. <laughs> oh, we love our friends at Winton Motor Ice. It's a great regional it facility. It is actually all right. And I know that you're saying because we're making you pick exactly. something out of all the tracks that you perhaps don't enjoy. But... Um, I know there's so many other things that we could touch on. We don't have time. We might do it again another mm-hmm. time. You've survived. It was okay. It was all right. It didn't yeah. hurt. No, it was good. Not yeah. much. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for sitting down with us. It's been awesome to have you part of the Supercast Championship for the last three years. Whatever happens in the future, we hope that you're back. If you're not, we wish you all the very best with whatever is to come next. And by the time this podcast wheels out, we might know the answer on what you're up to next year. So regardless of where that falls or where it doesn't fall. Thanks for sitting down with us today and going down memory lane. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Simona Di Silvestro for joining the V8 Sleuth podcast and going for a drive down memory lane on her career so far. Now, when she came to our office, she didn't leave empty-handed. She took home a copy of our Ford at Bathurst book, which features every Ford to race in the great race from 1963 to 2018. The reason being is because Simona's Falcon from that first Bathurst wildcard in 2015 is in the book. If you haven't got a copy that you can call your own, you can pick one up at our V8 Sleuth online store. And because you're a podcast listener, we will give you a deal. 10% discount, in fact. Head to the V8 Sleuth website, v8sleuth.com.au. Click on store. When you get there and you go through the checkout, enter the code FORDBOOK10, all capitals, and the number 10 at the end. F-O-R-D-B-O-O-K-10. Now, even if you've already got a copy, don't forget Christmas is coming up soon. And if someone you know is right into their Fords, it's the perfect thing to whack under their Christmas tree. If you're enjoying our V8 Sleuth podcast this year, make sure you leave us a review to help spread the word. Keep an eye on our website and our social media accounts to stay up to date. And until then, we'll see you next time on the V8 Sleuth podcast. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products, 
to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.